Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have a very special guest joining us, a gentleman by the name of Rich Christensen, and we are going to hear his story and his wisdom. So be sure to, number one, share this out. And if you're watching on YouTube, click that subscribe button. We'll see you in a minute. And we are back. Let me bring Rich on. Rich, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ken. Sure. uh, Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's nice to have you here. So um, you've got to know, I was talking to my buddy Doug Wing last night. You have to know of the Wing family. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, they're not too far. We live in the same area and a really good family have just done amazing things. Little giant ladders. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. So Doug's now living down in Phoenix, but um, anyway, so Rich, I started this show. It's, I'm coming up on four years um, ago that I started this and it was, you know, it was really to help people have a breakthrough in life. Cause I believe that especially entrepreneurs, we have a tendency of getting stuck <laughs> and 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 not able to get unstuck. And so th- it's really about your life story and how you've made it through the hard times and all of that. So why don't we start with you talking about where you were born and raised? Well, thank you. <clears throat> thank you for uh, having me, Ken. Yeah, I, I actually uh, had an amazing life, but very non- expected. I uh, was raised by a blind father uh, just right before the Great Depression. My father was born, and uh, when he was two years old, they uh, realized that there was something bright in his left eye, and so they went to the doctor, and it was retinoblastoma, so they moved, removed it. Two years later, right in the middle of the Great Depression, my grandparents had to make the horrific, god-awful decision. Um, wow. Do we remove the second eye because retinoblastoma hit that and give him maybe one in 50 chance of living? Or do we actually let this little boy see until he's eight years old and then then he'll certainly die? After incredible disruption, my grandfather won. They would have got divorced in today's world. And um, they, they removed his second eye, rendering him completely blind and... Uh, he, he in, ended up living, and remarkably, I mean, what are you going to do with a little blind boy, right? Wow. <laughs> uh, in the Great Depression, out on a homesteaded farm with no running water or electricity, they sent him to the school, the blind. It turned out my father had an eidetic memory. A what? And, uh, an eidetic memory, which means he could hear something and recall it. You give him a phone number, Ken. He'll recount it to you 30 years years later. You give him a street address, he'll tell you. Uh, wow. He p- learned to play the piano beautifully, was so brilliant that they brought him back to normal high school where he was the salutatorian of his graduating class. He uh, went on to be the student body president of the university. Then he got a law degree, 
they'd read it to him, he'd retain it. And he what? went on to become a, uh, an attorney with the highest prosecution rate in our state. Judges were afraid of him because he would recite case law from what he'd heard 30, 40 years ago. Oh my so Lord. That was my father. That was the home that I grew up in, Ken. And my, he, he, he was, uh, it, not that he didn't want to get married, but <laughs> no, who's going to marry a blind guy. Right. Right. Well, my beautiful mother would 15 years, his junior, uh, wow. three marriage proposals, a beauty queen moved to this rural community and was teaching art. And my father captured her heart and married her. Wow. And so that was the environment that I grew up. I'm the oldest a child of John and Laurel Christensen. Wow. So um, wow. rural community. Yeah. A very, very interesting backstory. Right? That's, that's unbelievable, actually. Like your your father sounds like a, a hero. Not only my father, my mother. Yeah. Uh, equally, I don't know. Everyone loved my father. He never used to see my dog. He never used a cane. Oh, my God. Uh, truly remarkable and he could hear a car going down the road and tell you what engine it was so what? yeah dead serious he could wow. hear the, the the pinging of the engine and tell the the type of the car based on the engine wow so i i was born into that environment and at a very young age i took a lot of responsibility my father would have me client climb underneath the hood uh, tune the carburetor at five or six years old. Wow. And a huge tragedy struck our family when I was six years old. My mother was uh, driving in a car. She, she, she struggled driving, honestly. Mm. And uh, she wrecked more cars. Sorry, mom. She's uh, past young of cancer. But uh, she was uh, driving, got in a car accident, hit her steering wheel uh, on her stomach, she was pregnant. When my third son was born, his head came out the size of a basketball. Oh. So she spent two years with him at Primary Children's Hospital, where uh, it was completely isolated from us. So at that point, I particularly had to really become the eyes of the ears, connect and protect the family. So from and this was your mo this was your mother. My mother hit her uh, uh, stomach on the steering wheel. Wow when she was pregnant when she gave birth to my brother vaughn everyone says he'll die there's no way he's going to survive but they my parents just faithfully put in there she was about four hours away in primary children's hospital and wow. uh he ended up living but it was two years of skull replacement surgery and surgery oh, wow. after surgery and uh, he ended up uh, actually living and thriving he took my dad's position as the county attorney actually he's oh, an attorney wow. now but it was crazy couple of years so at a very young age i grew up uh needing to be the eyes the protective although my dad uh was an amazing man he could not see what was going on around he was uh, somewhat emotionally not able to see based on what the environment was and so at the age of six or seven years old, I had the joyful opportunity of needing to grow up and basically take responsibility for all the form and function. My mom wow. relied on me very heavily emotionally and basically to fix everything. And uh, although it was joyful and amazing, it was also incredibly complicated. The yeah. community I grew up in, Ken, 
There was 2,000 of you, if you count the cows. I never did fit in. I was the weird little awkward kid. All I wanted to do is, is hit a golf ball and, and, and create and sell stuff. And this was yeah. a rural community where all anyone wanted to do is, is uh, buck hay and ride a bull and get drunk on Friday night. And I had no interest <laughs> in that. Right. And so it, it was a very interesting, but yet very uh, amazing and difficult uh, childhood. Wow. That and that's a that's a lot of responsibility to put on a young kid like that. It sounds like you um, did you did you did you do what normal kids did or other kids did? I don't know about normal, but did did you did you play baseball and all that stuff? Absolutely. Love to fish, love to play baseball. My father was the most amazing father. He, uh, I, met, I remember our mom would always want to involve him. So he'd go get the ball and throw it to my brother. And it was crazy. We became incredibly good fielders because you never knew where the heck that ball was going, <laughs> you know? So we became really good baseball players and it was an idyllic childhood. Yeah. But also crazy, tragic childhood. It was a, a lot of bullying from the age of maybe six to oh, 10. I don't think there was a week that went by that I didn't get, you know, the crap beat out of me. I spent as junior high most of my time in uh, either a locker or uh, hanging on a hook or in the garbage can. <laughs> so oh my uh, it, it was really a polarized. But and again, I don't make this to sound negative because it really gave me incredible strength, fortitude, insights that allowed me to actually when I did come to my own really. Oh, you know, have a discipline, the intellect of a father and a love of a mother. So wow. it was, it was an amazing, uh, but very difficult, uh, growing up. So, and so you, and this is in, where was this? Where, where this Utah? was in rural Southern Utah, a little okay. community called Beaver, Utah. Okay. So, so you, um, that's where you went to high school. You graduated high school there and, and all of that. Did you end up going to college? I did. I went and got, I got an electro, electrical engineering degree. Okay. And then I also got an MBA. Wow. In engineering. That's correct. Wow. Okay. You, you, um, you don't strike me as the engineer type. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I spent five years in a rigorous electrical engineering program and, and actually, uh, again, the discipline of a highly intellectual father. Yeah. An artist mother, I had the opportunity to be the bridge and verbally paint with words for my father. Yeah. So it, it was my growing up provided this beautiful set of contextual skills. And much of my identity was framed by those two amazing parents in our yeah. home. I mean, it was not acceptable to get an A minus. It was never said. It was just like, come on, look what we gave you. It's like, get up with it. And so I, I don't think my parents ever ever had to get after us, but uh, all four wow. of us uh, brothers uh, excelled academically. Wow! So, so you, uh, you you got through, you got out of college, you got your MBA, and and you where, where did where did things take you from there? I spent the first half of my career in the corporate world. Okay. Um, got a couple of amazing breaks, super blessed. I wasn't this, I wasn't the brilliance of my father, but right, I certainly right. had a, an intense work effort. So I got a break at a very young age and, uh, kind of advanced through the careers, went, uh, uh, got right in the first moon of computers and particularly, uh, 
connectivity. So yeah. the first one there, connecting computers, I was one of the first to learn how to connect uh, apples to Macintosh, make everything work. So I installed networks throughout the world, uh, ended up being uh, a director of uh, online product services at Novell. And then I, young age, I got the break to be general manager of Mitsubishi Electric's PC division here in the U.S. Wow. Uh, after that, I ran, uh, I was the general manager of about.com, their web services. Uh, you probably remember that. We were the fifth largest web company in the world. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, then I had a really radical departure. So the first part of my career was this corporate stodgy, but it was so unfulfilling. And end of the day, I wanted to see the market forces eyeball to eyeball. I wanted to taste it up close and personal, not have that buffering. So... I did something crazy. I quit the corporate world and you know, most people don't know that I was like hardcore executive guy, but uh, then I quit the corporate world. And, and now what I'm known for is, is the bootstrap entrepreneur. I've founded or co-founded uh, 52 businesses, 19 have failed, but uh, 17 have become multi-million dollar businesses, all starting with five to $10,000 of capital. So two very polarized different worlds. Yeah. Wow. So to be the theme, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you know, I think that the yeah, I mean, I I think you know, I, I've I've had a, a I I'll say a couple of jobs working for people as as an adult, um, but for the most part, I've always been an entrepreneur, and um, so I can't relate to now. My wife worked in corporate America as VP of marketing for a couple of giant companies. Um, I, I, and I've heard, you know, the stories and I'm like, they said that to you and you didn't punch them in the nose. Like, really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I can't, I cannot relate to having a job working for somebody. So, so when you, when you left, you said that it there was, a, was there a big upheaval? Was what happened? What made you say I'm out of here and I'm going to go do my own thing? <laughs> Well, at the very core, from the age of four or five years old, I'd mentioned I was a weird kid, but I just, I could not help myself. And I, later in life, I discovered the impact of that. My dad even thought, you're the weirdest little duck I've ever seen. Just like, <laughs> like I'm melting candles. I'm going around selling them. I'm catching night callers and putting up posters and selling yeah. worms. I mean, I just couldn't help. I'm creating my own llamas businesses. Man, when I was a kid, I created so many businesses. So it was just in my I just, my heart, I couldn't help but create. Yeah, and so yeah. the entire time I was in the corporate world, I was just honestly dissatisfied, Yeah, really frustrated. And uh, yeah, really wanting to secure my family and, you know, provide for my family. I married just my childhood sweetheart, deeply in love. And, and um, she had known I'd always wanted to do this, but we started our marriage with a $500 in a Dodge Colt that had been totaled three times. So it's like, I had to lock down my family. As yeah. soon as I'd paid off my home, my wife and I were going to walk one day and I was moaning and grind, uh, groaning about the job I was in. And I was getting paid really well, but she finally stopped me, grabbed me and shook me and looked me in the eye and says, when are you going to do it, Rich? When are you going to do it? When are you just going to have the courage to do it? And so two weeks later, I, I quit. Uh, I was making almost as I felt like I was making as much money as God at that point, but I quit that job two weeks later. And uh, that was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. Although wow. financially I was doing well and prestige, I was doing well. I just wasn't fulfilling this creative art and expressing. And like I said, tasting 
that uh, the markup forces eyeball to eyeball. Yeah, my wife is on here. She says most kids don't do that. Good for you. I don't know what that was referring to, which part. Um, but you know the the um, I, so at one point I remember as a teenager at one point I thought about being an engineer, <laughs> but I, I it's <laughs> I, I'm just being honest. To me, that seems so boring. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was <laughs> actually, it was, uh, it, it's interesting how I got there. Cause in high school, I just aced everything, but I took this one class. It was like in vocational education weird. And I didn't understand electricity and electronics. And it was the only thing I got like a B minus on. So when I went to college, it says, I want to understand that better. And, and it was brutal. It was really hard. I went from straight A student to barely getting B's. And, and uh, I remember in my junior uh, year, I'm getting ready for the weekend. I'm so freaking excited. And I go to all my nerdy friends and, and I say, what are you doing this weekend? And he says, Oh, we're, uh, I've, I've got this hot date and I'm going skiing and I'm going to do all this fun stuff. And they looked at me and says, well, we're, we're programming our uh, calculator to do bipolar cross matrix conversion. And I thought, <laughs> you weirdos, you geeks, man, if I ever, if I can get through this major and still talk normal, I'm going to do really well. And in my senior year, right before I'm graduating, a young kid comes and what you doing this weekend, Rich? And and he says, I got this hot date and I'm going skiing. I'm doing this one thing. I says, oh, I'm going to do some homework. I'm programming my computer to do. But, oh, no, I just became one of those guys. So I was never a very good engineer. I was I was an okay engineer. I was a mediocre engineer. But I, it turns out was in, my MBA served me very well. I was an amazing business mind and could dissect markets like no tomorrow. So wow. that combination of a deep technology coupled with a, a visceral understanding of the markets allowed me to cross the chasm and gap that is so disparate. Lots of business guys, lots of engineering guys, very, very few that could cross the chasm. So my entire career was really built on that, Ken. Wow. And my wife was referring to starting a business as a kid. Yes. Oh. I I, I totally agree that most yeah. kids most kids don't do that, especially in today's world. But we won't go there right now. Um, so 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 you your what your wife shook some sense into you, and um, you quit the the engineering job, and then you um, talk about because I, I can remember, I remember clearly, and I'm sure you do the day that I decided I was going to start my company and I wasn't as fortunate as you, I did not have $500. <laughs> I had, in fact, way less. I had $20, mm. but, but I, you know, I just did what I had to do and knocked on doors, did everything. You know, what was it like for you the day, the day that you said, okay, I'm, I'm hanging out my, my shingle. I'm going to, I'm going to get this, this puppy rolling. Well, it was exhilarating, terrifying, Ken, all at the same time, <laughs> keeping in mind, I was midway through my career at that point and was fairly well established. Um, I, uh, I actually at that point, uh, did quit. I had the home, I had my home paid off. And so I had wow. a year one way build up at that point. And uh, two weeks into the experience, I'd started the business. Two weeks into it, I blew my Achilles tendon. 
And so flat in bed for three months based on that. About two months in, I started rehabbing and blew it again. Oh my God. And so I got a, I had a really hard, rough start to when I actually became an entrepreneur. Uh, after the second blow, they had me on narcotics and I was like purple elephants were floating around the room. And I, I didn't know pain like that even existed. So at that point I was getting pretty freaked out. And, uh, my wife, uh, we bore before Wi-Fi. uh, my wife and my oldest son drilled a hole through the floor, strung a cable up, gave me a laptop computer. And uh, during that stupor blah state, <laughs> I actually had some breakthroughs and I actually created my first million dollar business from bed. What? Triple elephants were floating around the room. Come on. You did spread. not. A million dollar business laying in bed with on strung out on drugs. <laughs> yep. That is a dead true story. Are you serious? Dead okay, true now, story. What, okay. What was it? What did you do? Well, I had. I. I Wow. I was working for about.com and Google AdSense had just come out. And so this ability to sell and I'd seen it and I had seen that there was an arbitrage opportunity. So, I mean, it wasn't very sexy, so you're going to lose all respect for me, but it was basically <laughs> a quarter machine. What I discovered is, is if I would go and buy words, for example, from Google, such as cars, and then build a website that was on Audis and BMWs and Mercedes and buy the word car, send it to my website, and then just put Google AdSense on, it would populate very expensive ads. So I would yeah. just buy ads really cheap, send it to a dumb website, have high value words out, in for a dime, out for a dollar, in for a dime, out for a dollar, in for a dime, out for a dollar. <laughs> so Oh, oh, now God. you just lost all respect for me, but that was the website that I built. I ended up building about 30 or 40 of those websites uh, from bed and boom, from bed that was the launch of my entrepreneurial career. Oh my Lord, have mercy. Wow. And that was it. Let's see. That had to have been in the, hold on. Don't tell me 2003 or four. You nailed it. That's a guy that's lived that world. That's exactly <laughs> right. It was it was just coming out 2002-ish, yep. 2003, so very early stages. And obviously, don't go try that now because that's not allowed anymore. Don't but do at that point, that was the wild, wild west. And uh, what was so funny is, is I started sharing that around. And I, I think I was one of the first to do that. And I created a whole movement uh, in, uh, yeah. AdSense arbitrage. I, I remember the very first professional website I built was for a Mercedes Benz dealership. And, and, and I looked at the president who was about 105 years old. Um, and I said, I said, this is in 2002, Rich. I said, you guys aren't even on, on Google. And he goes, what's Google? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord we have an opportunity so so you know I, I you've been around man you've been around in, for a while then doing this and yeah because AdSense yeah. was brand new back then brand yeah new. that's exactly right yeah, yeah you're, wow. you're dead right i've i've had nine lives i i'm 57 years old but the reality is is i think i've lived five or seven lives already so i've nothing else wow. hustled hard 
So, so you, um, you, you did the AdSense thing from bed, strung out on, on pain pills because of the, not, I keep saying strung out. That's, that's inaccurate. You were on pain pills because of, of an extreme amount of pain from blowing out your Achilles twice, twice. That's crazy. Um, and then, then, um, what, what happened from there? So now you had a million dollar business. Um, I, I'm apparently eventually you got out of that bed. Um, where did you go from there and how long did that take to, to, well, to do all that? The it's recovery? one year in bed. It's, uh, you mean, how long was the Achilles tendon? The first yeah. time it's like a three, six months down, but then they had me down cause I, they had to complete rebuild. So that was a lot of pain, a lot of working through a lot of issues there. And, but it was a joyful time cause it gave me a chance to reflect. And again, in hindsight, kind of work through it and marry wow. the business and the marketing. And so that really was the launch of my entrepreneurial career. And, you know, from there, I just, I've, uh, I, I pushed into it in 2000, you're, you're aware in 2012, I launched a best-selling book on my protocol of how to, my, called the zigzag principle, it became, I think, number five bestseller in the business category on the lean startup process of how I how I approach a business. And so, uh, I mean, unlike most people, you know, they want to go raise a bunch of capital on there. I just don't do it. That's not my model because I want to fail really efficiently. So at that point, I just would begin looking for uh, underserved opportunities. Uh, I discovered most of the time if I would go create something that wasn't, that was a lot harder hit. So I would look for where is there a broken problem and how can I improve it? And then all transparency, my businesses, I've never, I mean, I create these dumb little one, two, five. I think the biggest I've created is maybe a $15 million business. But uh, so they're just dumb little tinky businesses. But, you know, for most individuals, it works out really well. And I, so I, 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 a $15 million business is not a dumb little business. I'm just going to throw that out there. Rich. Well, <laughs> most of them were just little one, two, three million dollar businesses. But again, that's I, I, my passion is, is the creation process. You know, it's breathing, whoo, breathing into life. And honestly, when I and I realized I could get a lot, probably more uh, liquidity if I would have grown up. But I get bored at 15 to 20 people. That's where the magic happens. So uh, I, I've just got to I've just got to say that it's it, it was really joyful. And again, what I love is the creation process. I think that, you know, kind of because a lot a, a lot of people know me for this work with uh, lean startup. But I've moved to the point that, that I've, I'm kind of bored with it. I'm not doing a lot with that. And that the very ultimate fray, my biggest passion was always my family. I, I raised five sons, adopted a little Sherpa girl. And um, I had a key mentor that uh, had pulled me over to uh, England uh, and uh, had given me a lecture. I was way out of balance. I was frying my family at that point. I was doing two or 300 frequent flyer miles, thousand mile, frequent flyer miles and really out of balance. And he pulled me over, had me fly 22 and a half hours and sat me down for this lecture. Rich, you can replace anything in life. You can replace cars and jobs and money and businesses. You can't replace your health. You can't replace your trust relationships. And most of all, you can't important replace your family. Go home. You're fired if you're back in work the next two weeks. And off I went. That conversation totally reframed my life to the point that, yes, I've created a bunch of businesses. And it's super fun and important. But it, honestly, it's just meaningless. 
compared to what's really important. And that's the, the family aspect of it. And it's the biggest fear I see with entrepreneurs now, Ken, is these guys that jump all in and they fry everything and they mailed everything down and, and they get to my age and it's like, we're not tied. Well, we aren't. What's most important to us is our connection to God. It's our relationship with the people that we love and it's our health. Yeah. And so the big fear that I think many entrepreneurs uh, I would have is, is, is over baking it. Yeah. And, and it's a, it's a, um, man, it's a hard line to walk because when you have, you know, um, one thing I've learned is my family likes it when we can go to the grocery store and not have to worry about swiping that card yeah or or you know hey we can afford to go on a vacation you got or, it you know so so i think you know and and grant cardone is a, is a friend of mine um and and he's 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 a nut about you, you need more money you need more money and i yeah. do agree with that because most people don't have nearly enough <laughs> and and so how do you and maybe I'm jumping too far ahead too soon, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How do you, how do I ask this? Where's the line? Like, you know, I got the answer to that brother. <laughs> okay. Well, Hey, well, you know, what? I love, at least my screen. angle to the answer. Uh, I have a friend that I love how he makes this statement. How's the best way to help the poor? Yeah, and then he says, "Well, stop being one of them." Yeah, Abraham <laughs> Lincoln so, said that. Is that well, okay? I don't know where that came from, but you know yeah. what? That's it's a great philosophy. And the reality is, is I think you got to kill it and put the effort in. Part of the zigzag principle. It was a methodology of how to get to profitability. But I really think that the way that I've lived life is is really healthy. And it is most people try living this balanced sequential life. I'll get up at eight or 7.30, I'll uh, take a shower, I'll uh, read the paper, I'll have breakfast, I leave right at 9, I have home at lunch at 12, and just this very imbalanced sequential life. For me, that's not balance, and you don't get a lot done. Mm. So I really love how I've lived my life and got a lot done. It's two extremes. Um, I've just got done having COVID. So I've been sick as a dog down, out, sleeping 12, 14 hours a day, yep. out of balance, right? Yeah. But the week prior to that, I was with the university that I chair, and I was, I was killing it. I wasn't sleeping two or three hours a night for three or four days. Prior to that, I was on a trip with my wife doing some spiritual retreat. Prior to that, I was do, launching the content for Legato and filming and interviewing and traveling and all over the place. Next week... My wife and I are going to go uh, and have our anniversary trip. And we're going to walk the shores of the beach and hold hands and overeat food. I think that the best way to live balance is extremely cross the line of balance as frequently as possible. That allows extreme pushes, conversations with your kids. Hey, the next two weeks, I'm going to be traveling, killing it to get the business going. But when I get back, man, we're going to take... A whole weekend and we're going to go frisbee golfing and golfing and skiing and quality time and I'm going to cook you dinner. Followed by, oh, now I'm going to do my responsibility. So yeah. uh, my approach to balance in life is extremely out of balance, but cross that line of balance as frequently as possible. Wow. So 
so and and is it richchristiansen.com is that is that the main website address or is there a different you know that's old old that's information on me uh all the content that i've been publishing can on uh, particularly families building families unifying the framework of how to stabilize your family non-traditional family and tribes is at legato family l-e-g-a-d-o family.com family. that's my most current content Okay. My uh, concepts of zigzag principle is zigzagprinciple.com. So oh, okay. The protocol of how to start a business and then also balance in life is at zigzagprinciple.com. So is that is that link from legatofamily.com? You know, as you're aware, Ken, I, I've written a number of books and my yeah. lean startup modeling is, is, uh, is the early stage stuff. And so all my businesses I've created and lessons learned I put there, but as, as I've got older, particularly, and I think you and I had a private conversation that a couple of three years ago, I had a major life interrupt that threw me to the floor that caused me to really analyze and see what's vital. And so I sold all my companies and the last two or three years I've been working on what I think is, is the most important content of my life, which is the bigger, deeper context of how to set a framework to stabilize uh, our families, non-traditional families and tribes. And you, you, uh, you, you were, and I, I, if I was a better host, I would have had this box in my hands. Um, but you sent me this beautiful box of, of things family fan tell me what that is I, it's i it's yeah. still in the box no it's, it's actually you, you gotta get that open brother because it really is I, it's, I, I never it's intended opened to, it's opened <laughs> yeah i never intended honestly to share this um as my wife and i uh were about five years into our marriage it became very apparent we we're gonna have some pretty significant success and at that point i was earning more than my father and her father at the end of their career. And we were wow. terrified we we're going to dork up and screw up our family. We we're terrified we we're going to do entitlement. So we mm -hmm. went looking for a model. And my mentor at that point was Stephen Covey. I think you know Stephen. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so uh, we had a visit about it and put a family mission statement in place. But I couldn't find any good models, Ken. And so I looked high and low. I found financial models all over the place, but nothing for a model. So true to every entrepreneur, my wife and I created a model and wow. began to raise our family according to that model. And as people found out about it, my closest friends, they wanted me to talk. I says, no, 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 I'll never tell that. It's totally private. And furthermore, I don't know if it'll work until my grandchildren are raised. Well, uh, fast wow. forward some 30 years or 25 years or so, uh, in this life interrupt that I had, I basically strongly, uh, I don't know how to say it other than just, I was told from higher source that I had to now share this because families, non-traditional families and tribes were just getting decimated. Wow. So uh, would you like me to just really quickly, just high level, go through the model? I, I would absolutely uh, drop a one in the comments. If you'd like rich to go through the model. I mean, I, I, I can't drop a one, but I'm dropping a one verbally. Yes. I want you to, I want you to, I'd love to hear you go through the model and, and because if, if I may interject my opinion, just my opinion, um, I think that the biggest problem we have in this country today in this world is it's, it's family. 
it's all about the family falling apart and 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 not going well. So I would love to hear it. That's exactly right. And I think that this is why I was commanded. God basically told me through a very spiritual experience. I think you and I on a yeah. model of meditation that you've yeah. got to do this, Rich. And I went kicking and screaming. I never intended to go public. And so here's the model. Uh, and I think this will ring true and make a lot of sense as I get in. So why didn't I yeah. think of that? <laughs> First of all, what's your foundation of values? you define what you I call this the legato family framework. And so mm. it's a base platform with five pillars on top of it. It's how my wife and I raised our family. Okay. And we'll see a little Stephen Covey leaking in here on one or two of these because, well, he was my mentor. Right. <laughs> so the first is what is your values? Have you put the effort to understand what your values are? Uh, specifically define them out. Uh, mm. Governments have values. Business, you have values in your businesses, but have you thought to clearly define your values? I wish I had my little logo here. I don't. But we very clearly defined what the logos were. Then equally, once you defined your values, is this what you throw away? Um, so many mm. of the millennials are just leaving culture and throwing everything, all the learned wisdom of the last 5,000 years into the garbage can. Really bad idea. Rightfully, they're frustrated, but extract the values that don't serve you well. Our family used guilt and shame like peanut butter. And so my <laughs> wife and I, uh, all both our families for generations, so we removed guilt and shame as a motivator because it's very low resolution. So once you have your platform of values, you can do these other things. But until then, it's really hard. My values will be different than your family values. Yeah. The first one is a symbol. Does your family have a logo? A lot of families used to do family crafts, but a symbol. What colors represent you and each of your children? I know very clearly. I'm just going to. There, I wasn't planning on doing that, but that's our family logo. Oh, wow. I love My wife that. in the middle in white. I protect and surround her in white. Each of our sons point inward with their represented color. Wow focusing inward and bonded together and having each other's backs. When my sons get married, you'll see they, Timmy just got married. They surround their white and wife. Then all these fun little things are my grandkids that start popping up. Wow. It's everywhere. I don't brand Nike. I don't brand Under Armour. I brand our family and only brand things we really believe in. It's on our chicken coop. It's on our cabin. It's everywhere. I, wow. I, give, I have allocation of funds every year. What's the result? My little grandkids come after they get the eggs. They stand up and touch. Everly, everly, me, me, me. Daddy, daddy. Oh, uh, Samuel. They know exactly where they fit and where they belong. Dude, that is so awesome. Oh, my it is. gosh. It is. All right. It's well, time to open the box. My wife, Jill, get that box. <laughs> the Utah Jazz have a logo. The Bloods have colors and logos. Your company has a logo. Where's your family logo? What's your family spirit animal? Just simply doing that, you can reflect it and you can buy in and you can bring special little gifts that instantly bonds and identifies and says, I belong to this tribe. The Qantas Club freaking has this. First <laughs> pillar on top of the values is a logo. The second is what your family doctrine. Do you have a family mantra? Do you have a family slogan? Do you have a family mission statement, a family framework? Wow. If not, you need one because your company has one. 
the Constitution of the United States, bylaws in the university, the Kiwanis Club freaking has doctrine. <laughs> Where's your family's doctrine that grounds you and understands how you behave in the family? What is the Kiwanis Club? <laughs> I've heard of it. Uh, Kiwanis <laughs> Club is just a business civic community. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah, just, it's just, I just to point that the Bloods and the Crips have doctrine. <laughs> Where's your family's doctrine? You wonder why your family's getting attacked and falling apart for crying out loud. Where's your values? Where's your symbol? Where's your doctrine? Wow. The next one is, is your traditions, your quick cadence of traditions. And then also your long, very, very special, if I dare even call them rituals. I pledge allegiance to the flag. What is that? That's a ritual. What happens if someone kneels to the football team when the flag goes by? You get really offended because it bonds and unifies what you stand for. Wow. Equally, are you daily putting into practices little ritualistic behaviors? Or not, not rituals. I'm going to call those traditions that bond you together. Our family has family prayer every morning, every night. We get around the dinner and we talk about uh, your funny, uh, the funny and the sad of the day. Having a Sunday family dinner. Try changing a great uh, grandma, Aunt Martha's. <laughs> God awful cranberry recipe and change Thanksgiving dinner from two to four. Why? Right. Tradition, tradition. We right. love traditions. If you don't embed your family and life with traditions, other people will, and they're not going to be what you want. Wow. So really getting clear on traditions is the third. That's unbelievable. Oh, we're just getting started. You're going to, you're going to, I hope I, I put your hair on fire with the fourth one. <laughs> Wow. The fourth one is, is rites of passage. Have you thought it's a lost art? It's what's bond cultures for millennia. Have you thought to put rites of passage into your family? You're, and by the way, this works better for non-traditional families. My favorite events have been non-traditional families. And I should qualify, you know, I've been teaching this privately to some of the most influential wealthy families, you know, for several years now. And, and I just was non-sustainable. So uh, uh, I, I put this in a, in, a, in a program so everybody could have access to it. This fourth one, if I could jump to it, is, is the rites of passage. Ken, would it be okay if I just kind of quickly highlighted uh, the rites of passage from our family? Yes, because I'd like to understand what you mean. What 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 do you mean by rites of passage? Rites of passage are very special, special, uh, unique, once in a lifetime events that teaches a key learning. Okay. And again, it has to be tied into the values. Okay. And these other three symbols, traditions, and uh, a. a, a, a Traditions, doctrine, and symbols all support it, but it's the big ultimate life learning. And before I share this, uh, I everyone's always, oh, I'm gonna please don't copy mine because mine are mine and are tied into our values. You've got to have your own. But I think the, the best way to describe this is to actually go through them quickly. Okay. Um, so with your permission, I'll do that. Please, yes. When my children each turned eight. We'd have what was called the eight is great date. They all look forward to it. The older ones would make infamy for the younger ones coming up. They get to pick where we, they went to dinner for the first time. It was typically someplace awful. Then my wife and yeah. I would take them private and we would have a dead straight open conversation. No holds bar on sex, on drugs, on bullying, 
on technology and all the challenges open the dialogue never quit. The next one is, is the critical age of 12. When 12 is, is when first entrance into young adulthood, I would take each of my sons. I had five sons, as you saw from our logo, mm -hmm. take them to a third world country for three weeks. The first week we'd go ride the camels down the street of uh, New Delhi, go to the Taj Mahal. We would uh, walk on the Great Wall of China, go to the Pokemon Center of Japan and have just some crazy once in a lifetime experience. The second week we would go into a Mother Teresa orphanage or a leper colony, or we'd go to Nepal and we'd hold the little rescued girls and connect deeply with humanity, serving them for one full week. Wow. Those little girls in Kathmandu had been rescued from sexual slavery, or they were going to be killed and their organs harvested and instantly touch humanity on a deep level. Wow. You don't do that and not come back with no entitlement. The third wow. week as we we're traveling back, my sons and I would have a talk conversation what does it mean to be a christensen man in our family it's protect provide create white safe space for women and fix a lot of stuff <laughs> and so <laughs> that becomes the context of what it means to be a man and all they have to do is say fixing dad fixing dad providing dad providing dad safe wow. space dad and so they know what it means to be a christensen man they asked me how much entitlement there was with my kids. They went back 12, came back 26. No, they came back 36 because wow. they just had context on what the world looked like and deeply bonded to me. It also created this incredible loving relationship with me that they could trust. And you, you name, when they have their first wet dream, they come talk to me. When they're dealing with an uh, issue, or, they talk to me dead open, and I've never once violated their trust. I did that with each of my five sons. When they're 14, so 14 is when most kids make the decisions of what they're going to go the path on life. So I think 14 is a pretty important age. 14 years old, my wife and I together have put each one of our sons on top of a major world mountain peak. Yes, we've stared up the throat of Mount Everest three times. We've been on top of Kilimanjaro, Mount Kilimanjaro. We've wow. looked down on Matsu Picchu from Wayne Picchu. The purpose wow. of that visit is, is I do not want my kids throwing the winning touchdown and getting carried off the shoulders of their teammates by the crowd. I want private victories, not public victories. The ability to do really hard things and the power to come inside. Private victories, not public victories, and the courage to do really hard, hard things. Wow. Each one of my sons... Man, at the age of 14 years old, they have it. They have context and so much strength and courage that I can't even describe the, their stick to it and ability. So that's the 14-year-old. Jeez. Now you're going to, here goes the fun one. That I, and I, again, I re-qualify this because I. this is our family and don't let this one freak you out. But at 16 years old, my kids each shake my hands and my wife and agree that they'll never ask for anything again from us. Uh, they commit to pay for their own college, their own mission, their own car when they get back, and they fund all of our family vacations, and I help them build a business, yes, using <laughs> zigzag principle, 
my three hold oldest. It, hold it back, 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 back up, back up. 16 years old. My 16-year-olds, my three oldest all created million-dollar businesses when they were in high school employing their friends. Oh my, my second son did it twice. Oh, my gosh. My fourth son had his college mission everything paid for by the age of 13 years old. Oh, my gosh. So he says, Dad, I don't want to create a business. I've done it seven times. Can we write a book? He became a best-selling author at the age of 16 years old. Oh Even God. if your church toes turn purple. It's the predatory stuff to this. And it was my favorite one by far. My youngest son was done by the age of eight. He had saved for all of that by the age of eight, and he'd done it. He says, Dad, again, I could do a business with you. This studio I'm coming from, he built this. That was his project. Wow. The purpose is, is I did not, I do not want my kids living in my basement, growing up to be serial killers, playing video games. <laughs> you just said serial. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I actually just said that. I'm pretty sure that's the first time anybody's ever said in 400 and some interviews, nobody has ever said, I didn't want my kids growing up to be serial killers. Oh well, I've, I've got to tell you, oh. I've, I've got to tell you, uh, it's been remarkable. You know how rewarding it is. Unbelievable. We go on, we go on a trip. The family has a board meeting and, uh, they there's certain rules and frameworks my wife and I set up and they have the board meeting and they make decisions of the next meaningful thing, you know, vacation they're going to find, but they're, they buy, they buy dinner, they buy uh, vacations, they buy everything. They're and uh, so that's, so I, I, and I, I think someone had asked eight years old is the age of cognitive recognition. 12 years old is the age of deciding adulthood. So eight years old is, is, Eight is great day. 12 years old is his uh, personal trip, non-entitlement trip is what we call that one. 14 years old is private victory, not public victory. 16-year-old is, is, is take accountable for your future. And 18 years old, they shut their business down. They save enough for their college, their mission, a car, and they give the rest back to charity. Because oh I do not God. want them living on my model. I don't want, I want them to be their own man. I want them to kill me and be my peer. And they then go for two years. They learn another language and they live incredibly humbly for two years, just serving humanity on an extreme level. When they come back, wow. they're their own man. They're my peer. What concerns do I ever have of them? ever launching and they'll have their challenges, their ups and downs, but you, you already know, you already know. So that context. Now I did bolt one more on as an adult, um, uh, in recent years, my wife and I started taking each of our adult children to a level four security prison, uh, uh, prison. And the context of that is, is to go in with individuals who have even taken life, teaching fatherhood and entrepreneurship. And as we go in, I apologize. I'm so sorry, sons. My generation is the one that caused all these problems. The social injustices, the misogyny, the, the destruction of the environment, even the, the, this terrible problem of prisons of individuals of not rehabilitating but causing downward. 
Now it's your responsibility to fix it. And furthermore, you don't want to be held accountable for the worst thing you've done. I don't want to be held accountable for the worst thing I've done. And, and so uh, uh, let's let's all have second chances and do what we can to fix these terrible big problems. So sorry, here's my problem. Go fix it. <laughs> Look what Anna says. Popeye baby food, straight spinach. Where did this, where did you get this wisdom? Oh, well, it, it, I did not. It was granted to me from very special. It was very private. This was never to be shared. But then in this experience I had two years ago, I knew I had to frame this out. So that's the rites of passage, 8, 12, 14, 16, 18, and then young adulthood. And don't do mine. Do your own stinking ones that have your own values. But I have a question, and and I want to – and Doug Wing is on here, by the way. He's saying hello. Hey, Doug. We, and, we know each other uh, vicariously, and we've crossed networks a bunch. Yeah, and he's served two missions, so – um, so, so there's a question. I'm going to put it back up on screen as soon as I find it here in the comments, because it's, I know it's an important question that I, not just me, but right. everybody that's watching. And I'm sure you hear this all the time. And that is right here. What do you do if your children are already grown? Oh, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite at all. I had one family that they came in and he says, you're showing up as teenagers. I dorked you all up. He was on his third marriage. He says, we're coming together. They came. It's even more profound. And you go and you work it and heal and solve. Uh, you, you set the context for the next generation. And you begin setting the foots right now. When's the best time to plant a tree? Right now. And it's amazing how much of this can be stabilized. Even with your adult kids, and you can reenact. I've had a par there's one individual that I worked with, and I'm not going to say who it is. He's very, very well known, very famous. It, it'd blow you away if I told you it was. But he had had a couple of sons, and they weren't even able to talk. They wouldn't even communicate with him. After hearing this and doing this, he was deeply moved, and he took convinced his come. He took them for three months, went through much of it that month. And when I he got back, I not kid you not, I got a five minute voice message of him weeping and crying, and expressing the healing that had taken place with these roused about teenagers that were wow. in deep problems. So it it is never too late. And my heavens, even it patiently, patiently. By the way, uh, Ken, that's this is what the box is the framework how to model through every single bit of this brother so that's what's in your box but i got one last wow. pillar that i haven't talked about i, 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 don't I, can, I don't know if i can handle another one. Oh, it's super <laughs> simple this is the boring one the last pillar is simply the financial models that most families do not know the secrets do you have a family constitution? Do you have or even know what a family back is, how the office work? What's the way to wealth? How do you do this so you don't screw your great grandkids up with your money? We'll never give our money away. My my our money now because this trust now it pays for our legacy cabin. It pays for that family logo into perpetuity to get updated with each family. I just did it this last month. Each family gets the family updated and brands the family into perpetuity. Each family gets $1,000. It'll even pay for a family vacation and fund every one of those rites of passage for my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren, and it becomes a stewardship. So that's what the fifth pillar is, is the financial model and uh, structure of how to do this. Can wow. I go through them again? Values, yes. throw the bad values away. 
what's your symbols, what's your doctrine, what's your traditions, what's your rites of passage, and then the structure to support your posterity and perpetuity. That's the Legato family framework. And that, my friend, is what's in your box. Uh, I, the box is getting open today. It's been opened. I looked at everything and I was like, I don't even know where to start. And I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the so, most important thing I've done. I can hardly, everyone wants to talk to me about starting a business and lean startup. And it feels like it's eating a all day sugar sucker when what I want to <laughs> eat now is steak and lobster, you know? So it's like, this is the real stuff. And, and I, it's where real happiness comes. It's, I mean, am I accounting going to my bank account? I mean, my daughter-in-laws kiss me on the forehead. They kiss me on the forehead. My son squeeze and hold me and don't let go. And I'm, I guess we all feel a little bit, you know, that way about our kids, but it's like, man, it's just amazing. They're going to lap me five times in their lives. And, and, and if we can just freaking stabilize our families and our non-traditional families and our tribes, then that will solve a lot of the big social problems and the visceral divisiveness we got going on in the country political. The way we solve this is, is actually solve it at the family level. Wow. I class dismissed. I, I don't I like uh, rich. Wow. Um, I, I don't even know what to say. Like I I'm sitting here speechless. That doesn't happen, man. That, that is absolutely incredible. A, a question that I have is, did you, I mean, do you not have disagreements? I mean, there have to be oh, agreements. Absolutely. And isn't how, it joyful? <laughs> but how, that, that how, how do you resolve that? I mean, if you have, you know, you and one of your sons or you and your daughter-in-law <laughs> and your budding heads and you, how do you resolve those and get back to the, the fundamentals of what you're talking about? You set the framework, you set the values really clearly on the front end and the sons, it's one thing, but it's the daughter-in-laws that's quite the other. So uh, one of the major rites of passage we have, if I could share of how you set the context on it, is this when the daughter-in-laws come in, we just did Ashley's right there. A little yellow uh, one, but I purchased a special piece, a unique one of a kind piece of jewelry with their piece as a logo. We go down to the cabin in front of the big family crest. We administer the family oath. And in the family oath, it discusses and says, I commit when I have disagreements, when I have hurts and wounds, which will most certainly occur, that I will take time, take pause, and I'll come out with a reaching open heart. And we'll always turn back to the family. Yeah, I mean, that's life, brother. Life wow. is conflict and confusion and frustration. But if you're inward focused and on the front end have set the value of love and harmony and, and unity and uh, respect, then you work through it. You take a deep breath and you work through it. I mean, our family, everyone that knows us, listens to this, no, we have our ups and downs. We have our issues. we got a little grandson coming right now that we're not sure if he's even going to make it. It's straining our family's tinsel straight to the point. We wonder if we're going to crack. But I can't wait to put little Cameron on there. He's going to go right there. And I don't know what, I don't care if he lives or not. He's in our family. He's unified. He bonded. And wow. so just by having this structure and infrastructure, you have a set that you can actually hold the weight and it doesn't just break the first time there's a disagreement or an offense. 
Wow. Um, it's rare that somebody leaves me speechless on, on this show, man, but I, I I'm sitting here going, Holy moly. So is it, is it, let's say that there are people watching right now that have 40 year old children or they have, yeah. and, and they, they did everything opposite of, yeah. of what you're saying. Yeah. Um, or they didn't do any of this. I, I don't have a family. You asked me this in our first conversation. Do you have a family logo? And I'm like, dude, I, I remember thinking, what kind of a crazy question was that? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're but, sporting you're sporting the Milwaukee Bucks or the LA Lakers, but do their value? No, I'm not. I hate basketball. <laughs> I can't stand to wear things that I don't subscribe to their values because it matters. So I only brand our family or things I believe in because it symbolizes, it's like raising your hand. This is what I stand for. And if you don't have something for your family, you're not traditional and equally, if not important, your tribe, you and Doug and your friends, they should have some little logo to say, this is what we stand for. This is what we're out. You and I should get one saying, Hey, we're meditators, man. We get zones <laughs> from meditating. Right. Right. Can I can I uh, can I make this one a comment? Because so many people ask me, and I don't care whether it's teenagers or older kids. the The first comment I'd make is is take interest in what they're doing. Most of us think, oh well, I don't like basketball, so I'm not doing. You know what? I do whatever my son's doing. I got one son that loves AGR. I got another. I'm Pokemon Go. I'm a level thirty four Pokemon <laughs> Go trainer. Why? Because <laughs> my son Tim loves Pokemon Go. I got oh one God. son that's so into Minecraft. I just <laughs> built a Minecraft structure last night. Why? Not because I love Minecraft, because he does. So oh. go to where they're at. It doesn't matter whether they're 40 or 12. Take interest in what they take interest and get common footing. That would be number one. Number two, say nice things about them behind their back. Even if you're ticked off as snot, and I almost swore there. <laughs> but even if you're ticked off, go say really nice things about your teenager behind their back to their friends. Go say really nice things to this strange brother that you're frustrated and say nice, positive building things about them behind their back. Hmm. Mm. Number three, love fixes it. It's amazing how quickly relationships heal when we pour love in. It's like a, a, a glass of water. I got a glass of water and a snot ball or a hairball gets in it. What most of us do is we go pick, pick, pick at it. And then it gets all gross and disgusted. No one wants to drink the water. You know what? All we have to do, Ken, nine times out of 10, if we just pour love, love, water, water, water in the snot ball, flows out and it's gone and the water's clean. And those are the three pieces of advice. And most of the time I get it with, teenagers say, I can't even stand to be in the same house as my teenager. I want to kill them. What do I do? And I think if you use those three tips and I don't care if they're 14, 24, 34, 54, 74, I had one, I told you about this high profile individual, his sons, and he would not even speak. They came back singing, dancing, laughing, planning another uh, vacation next year to go through Europe together. Wow. Wow. Is it perfect? No. Be patient. 
Rich, um, first off, wow, wow, wow. This this has been um man, this has been life altering for some people, including well, thank me. Thank you. Well, this, I have to tell you again, I was gonna be private on this, but it's so deeply needed now. It's my contribution to healing this nation, to healing this world to healing key relationships and getting some joy back in this misery fest that we, we call life. <laughs> <laughs> you said misery fest. Oh my gosh. Now, did you, did you, did you allow your kids to spend a lot of time watching the news? No. Yeah. Well, you know, the answer to that already. We don't that was and, and social media too. It's like, duh, phones. Meh. And none of my kids are involved. Matter of fact, my biggest gripe is I can't get them to pick up their phone when I'm calling half the time. So, yeah. wow. Rich, I, I, everybody needs to go right now to Legato family. And I think one of, I think you're um, somebody on your team posted something earlier. Kelsey, maybe. Yeah. I'm looking and, for it. And Ken, uh, if you would like, uh, if you'd like us to get like a, 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 a free little like the framework or some stuff to help you. We'd be happy to do that. How, how can people, well, so I think there's going to be people on here that want to learn from you. Is this, so I have it up on screen. Yeah. slash logo master or logo dash master class. Is that where? Yeah, that, that'll sure work. That's like a big, long, miserable URL you can put in your link. <laughs> but if they go to legatofamily.com, uh, I, I think they'll be able to get to it. And we, we can provide some material too. Uh, th there really is multiple ways to engage. And in that box I gave you, uh, that was worth a thousand bucks, by the way. So get that open and have a blast because it walks through this whole thing. Oh my but there God. is an online program and that's about a thousand dollars to walk all the way through. There is a masterclass where actually eight sessions walking you through all the way of helping you build and get your logo helping you get the family, con I mean, walking you step-by-step, step, really fun, fun exercises of how to do it. Wow. And uh, get you all this whole platform infrastructure set up for your family or your tribe or non-traditional family. And then uh, the, the next option is, is we are doing some a, a very limited live events. So are you, um, so, so I need, I need your help moving an electrical outlet. <laughs> are you going to be in ohio anytime soon if you're if you're cooking steaks and lobster i think i'll probably be uh, be there and and can i'll do anything for you brother you're so awesome, i'll help man. you move an electrical outlet <laughs> <laughs> i'm totally kidding i dude you are incredible i i said that to myself oh i said it out loud the very first time that you and i talked on the phone for i don't even know it was a long time and I, I hung up and I remember saying, wow, that was incredible. And I felt and, the same way, Ken. I yeah. felt the same way. I mean, we connected on a level. You're doing a lot of the practices I am to yeah. get clarity. Dude, you're, you're amazing. And, Thank and you. the downloads that you've received from, from God or wherever, whatever, however anybody wants to define it. Um, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And steak and lobster is on me anytime you want. So, um, like for real. So everybody go to Legato family. I'm looking over. Oh, so is it like under get started resources or do you know where, where can we send everybody? 
go to legatofamily.com and I'll make sure that there's a link there. And if you, do you have a link that you put in your program somewhere so people can get, or is it just all visual? It's it, no, there. I'll I'll have it on the podcast platform too. So Correct. well, if they just go to legatofamily.com and probably get started, will be there. So I'll just have them put a link there. Okay. I, I will. So everybody go over and check it out. There's a lot of information there. That's unreal, man. Absolutely unbelievable. Rich, you rock, man. Thank Thanks you so brother. much. I, I really mean that. So stay with me. Everybody who watched this, please share this out. If you've not shared this out, redeem yourself right now and share this out. Families need this information. Can I make one last request, Ken, is, is if you are aware of uh, any uh, groups or institutions that are trying to get and solve this problem, if you know like-minded individuals, particularly thought leaders that are looking to try address and stabilize, I would love to have a visit with them. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I, I'm <laughs> okay. We're going to, we're going to like everybody on here, commit to it. We're going to blow this up and blow you up, man. This is absolutely amazing, Rich. Thank amazing. you, brother. Thank you, man. I, I and thank you, everyone, that. so much for sharing and watching and, and commenting. This, is, this has been incredible. So, Rich, stay with me, if you would, and I'm going to end the live stream. And, and again, thank you to everyone who's, who's watched this and, and been with us. This has been incredible. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. We'll see you guys later. I, I, I don't even know if I have a show tomorrow, but we'll see you guys later. <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye-bye. <laughs>